This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where customers who save by switching their home and car save nearly $800 on average. Quote at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. Hi, this is John Dorsey, co-executive producer of Superhuman Public Radio and the voice of Ethan Schwartz. I wanted to talk to you about a new sponsor of SPR. The series is called The White Vault a horror audio drama set in a remote Arctic outpost and the records of the team sent to repair the station. Now, if you're fans of H.P. Lovecraft's At the Mountains of Madness, this show is for you. Now, this series is complete, so if you're looking for something with a definitive end, check them out today. Find them on your favorite podcasting app or at thewhitevault.com. Now, on to the show. This is SPR. Celebrations continue throughout the Geodome as Paradise City celebrates its 50th anniversary. SPR will have special coverage across our programming to commemorate the day. And now for the SPR News Break. Live from SPR News in Washington, I'm Wenling Chen. Since the public acknowledgement of the doppelganger threat, Research institutions have been working to create a vaccine against duplication. In the meantime, puzzler hero Steel Trap has invented a device that will help identify those who have been duplicated. I call it the Mood Ring, the Mobile Online Operational Duplication Detection Ring. It works as a part of a network system of DNA tracers. Should the wearer be duplicated, the ring will go from green to yellow, and if the wearer is themselves a doppelganger, it will begin to glow red and emit this sound. It then sends a signal directly to acronym so that agents can isolate and quarantine the duplicate. So this ring offers no personal protection. If we all wear this simple ring, we will no longer fear our neighbors. Doppelgangers will have no safe harbor in which to hide. That protects everyone. Yeah, yeah, trap, over here. Uh, Did you wear it on any part uh, of your uh, body? No, 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 no more questions. Thank you. Steel Trap has assisted with global catastrophes in the past and is supposedly responsible for ridding the world of the musical mind virus song, Can't Tell Me What to Do even though none of us can remember it. That was Wenling Chen reporting from Washington. It's 75 degrees here in Paradise City, and now for a very special presentation by 100% Invisible and These American Supers. What do you think of when I ask you to picture Paradise City? Palm trees and pools, Art Deco and jazz, gold leaf and marble? How long until you've realized for as much as you've heard about it, you've actually never seen the inside? The iconic home to the world's most powerful has opened itself up to journalists for the first time in 40 years. SPR reporters have been given unprecedented access to one of the most mysterious places on Earth. So today, in collaboration with fellow SPR media program 100% Invisible, we give you this program in two acts. Act 1, City of Dreams. Harry's Greco has the story. There was a quote emblazoned on the entrance of the old Paradise City. As a city upon a hill, the eyes of all people are upon us. 
The phrase is taken from John Winthrop's treatise, A Model of Christian Charity. The founder of Paradise City, Wyatt Rand, may not have believed in God, but he did have faith in the new and emerging generation of superhumans. Extraordinary people need an extraordinary place to call home, far from the prying eyes of the common and the prying hands of the government. Marketed as a retreat for the superpowered or wealthy industrialists, it ran on a system of self-determination. That is to say, completely unregulated city services. The Dome City soon suffered from a lack of sanitation and clean water, as well as a monorail that was described by one writer as an unbalanced casket running across unfinished tracks direct to St. Peter. Mansions and gardens and streets paved with gold as befits the titans of the new world. Paradise City opens its doors to you. Lawsuits amassed and the city stood empty. By 1952, eight months after the city was opened, it was shuttered and forgotten. Not a single super called Paradise Home. When Wyatt first built his home for supers, only 1% of the global population claimed special abilities, and the public was largely supportive of those shining new heroes who entered the spotlight for the first time. However, over the next 20 years, as more powerful supers began to emerge, the general public's admiration turned to fear. Something captured by President Nixon's infamous tipping scales speech. Every day, more powerful beings reveal themselves, and we must protect the many from the tyranny of the few. The scales are tipping and will need to be balanced. The idea that a single person could be born with power so strong they would dominate the world became one of the top political flashpoints in the country. I was just nine years old then. Tina is now 60 and has the honor of being the first super resident of Paradise City. My father was a researcher at the Department of Superhuman Services. It was a good job. I was always proud of him. He worked with supers to a kid that was everything. Until one day it became very frightening. Frightening how? His team had been tasked to develop a chemical that would create complications for people with superpowers, and only in people with superpowers. Even at age nine, Tina displayed powerful superhuman abilities, abilities her father went to great lengths to keep secret. He was worried that if the department found out, I would become test subject number one. And it seems like with good reason, especially with your particular power. It's called verumsomnia. It means my dreams come true. Literally. Literally. There'd be times when I'd wake up to find we had a pet goat. Or the house would be filled with chocolate. And I mean filled. I couldn't control it. It was complicated. Sometimes I'd have nightmares. You can find Washington Post articles from the late 60s that contain reports of strange, misshapen creatures. My parents did their best to protect me from bad thoughts. To this day, I have never seen a horror movie. They were always so calm and gentle. So when my dad came home scared, I knew something was very wrong. Her parents loaded up their car and went out west to stay with Tina's grandfather. The air in the car was so tense that they were afraid to let me sleep. 
They kept switching off driving so one of them could keep bouncing me and telling me stories for two days. My mom told me a lot about my grandpa, who I'd never met. She told me about the city he built just for me. It was like something out of a fairy tale. I was enraptured. That's because her grandfather was... Wyatt Rand. Paradise City had consumed his fortune, but he lived in a small piece of land not far from its gates. This is Xiomara Estrella, author of Eden 2, The Declassified Secrets of Paradise City. The city itself was too isolated to be worth tearing down, so it was just left to rot away in the desert. We got there in the middle of the night, and I suppose it must have actually been wretched and rusted. But in the dark, my imagination colored in the details. The grand statues. The great glass dome halfway to the moon. Green paths and duck ponds. I don't remember what parts were real and what was me half-dreaming. For about two hours, we were at DEFCON 2. This is General Titus Yukon, military head of the Paradise City Project. And in 1972, base commander at Nellis Air Force Base in Las Vegas. Radar pinged heavy right in the middle of the desert. Our officers on watch said they could feel the wind from it from the tower. And we were some 150 miles away. We didn't know if it was the Russians, Sarpathians, or some costume menace. We were on site in 40 minutes. I remember my mom shaking me awake, asking me, what did you do? What did you do? She meant the tanks and the soldiers, but she didn't know the half of it because as soon as I woke up, I knew I was safe. Streetcars slid down golden tracks. Every light was now aglow. Robot servants and endless fruit trees. It wasn't the city White Rand had built. It was the city he had tried to sell. Paradise City had come alive. We knew about the theme park. A couple of our men would sometimes use it for target practice. But that was some abandoned lot, a tourist trap with broken glass and graffiti. This was... Home. I just felt it. This house was just like the one I'd always wanted. There were flowers in the front yard all the way down to the curb. Daisies. But I have them changed every now and then. My mom was still panicked, but my dad, he just was standing out front so quiet and still, he might have been turned to gold. The dome was suddenly 300 feet tall, glowing with energy. The whole thing was OPG, dead over my pay grade. The military leaves super emergencies to the Legion, and the local ranking superhero was Bonobo, the super ape. Incredibly intelligent, powerful, a wonderful singer too, although that part didn't come up. Never fear, cousins. Bonobo is here. <laughs> Up my toe. <laughs> Gotta be more careful. Now. We'd seen the chimp work before, good kid, professional, but then soon as he flew over the threshold, bam, comes down like a meteor. Ten seconds later, he just popped up. Dumb as dirt. Just a normal monkey, the ape, whatever. See, beyond the miracle of bringing the city to life, she had created something even more amazing, the suppression field. Tina had dreamed of a place where her powers would no longer endanger others. To this day, scientists are not sure how it works, but whatever keeps the city running also suppresses superpowers. Tina has her own theory. 
It's child logic. It doesn't have to make sense in order to work. I call it the security blanket. And more than anything, I want it to be safe from myself. For the first time in years, Tina could dream without having to worry if her manifestations would run wild. There we were, on the outside, babysitting the ape hands, itchy on triggers, everybody's looking at me, I'm looking at the Legion rep, he's looking at the phone, waiting for the White House to get involved. Then, the doors open, and we see a little girl. This relaxes absolutely no one. I knew the city would protect me. I told everyone, this is the place I made for everyone you're afraid of. So you don't have to be afraid of us anymore. <laughs> I mean, what do you say to that? Tina had them. No one could get in. Tina refused to leave, so it was a stalemate. Alfred, Tina's father, called in the DSS. They ran tests over the whole city. Slowly, everyone realized that this little girl had created the perfect compromise. <laughs> Safety for supers, peace of mind for civilians, Department of Superhuman Services, the Legion, hell, even the Villainous League signed up. If someone was too powerful for the outside world, Paradise City would be their new home. Those of us that weren't too freaked out living within shaking distance of a snow globe full of human nukes, well, we became part of the Paradise City Project. People were so happy. A lot of them were practically fugitives before our city showed up. Even now, our invitees would be experimented on, exploited, conscripted, or purged if they were left out there. 95% of them say yes. People act as if we're giving folks an ultimatum. It's not. It's just an offer. But it's a really good offer. Sometimes we even get refused, and some of those have gone on to have hugely successful careers. Like Cosmos, for instance. <laughs> Cosmos? No. Our typical candidates are considerably more powerful than him. Oh. F**k. It's not for everyone. My grandfather visited in those early days, but he never liked to stay. He and my dad would take walks in Paradise Park sometimes, but I think it made him feel uncomfortable. My dad said Grandpa never liked to be bottled up. Grandpa just said, too much government. As a child, I just wanted to be safe. But now, after living here, I wonder what I could have become if I had allowed myself to dream bigger. You've been here for 60 years. Do you ever consider leaving? No. And it's a good thing because no one knows what would happen if I did. This place came out of my dreams, but now a lot of people have their hopes tangled up in this dome. I think they need me to set the example. As a city upon a hill, the eyes of all people are upon us. A city of dreams in more ways than one. That was Aries Greco with 100% Invisible. A special thanks to Tina Rand and the Paradise City Project. You can listen to 100% Invisible every week on your local SPR station or online at sprpod.com. We'll be back with part two of the Paradise City special after the news break. Support for SPR comes from Big Ass Shorts. 
We wouldn't like you when you're angry at your tight constricting wardrobe. Big ass shorts are the first truly one size fits all pant, thoughtfully engineered for comfort, durability, and maximum stretchiness. Available in purple and beetroot, for every pair of shorts you buy, Big Az donates a pair to a rage monster in need. Get 20% off your first purchase by entering the code SPRPOD at our website. Big Az Shorts, smashingly good. A Spandexo family company. Live from SBR News in Washington, I'm Wenling Chen. Last month, the world was stunned by the apparent return of Quantum, the ultimate speedster. While the internet has been alive with rumors explaining the hero's recovery, some believe that this quantum may be an imposter. SBR News has one reporter uniquely equipped to investigate this story. We go now to Apoorva Singh. Some knew my father as SPR reporter Stephen Singh, others as Quantum, but both men were heroes. Surrender your planet to me, and some of you may yet live. December 9th, 2020. New Orleans. They are still en route, but Quantum has arrived on the scene and is attempting to subdue him. Babylon's attack on the city should have taken thousands of innocent lives. I will update you when I can. It is getting increasingly dangerous here on the scene. Instead, it only took one. The Earth turns a little slower today. There will never be anyone quite like Quantum. May he rest in peace. Most heroes struggle to manage a work-life balance. Not so when you are nearly as fast as light. My father didn't miss birthdays or recitals. He didn't miss deadlines. He didn't leave people behind. He was everywhere. So when he was suddenly nowhere, we grieved. Until this past month. Live from Washington, I'm Stephen C. Better known as Quantum, the ultimate speech. They say no one can outrun death. Well, that was before death came for the fastest man alive. What's the saying about superheroes? If you don't see them die, then they aren't really dead. So let me tell you, Quantum is dead. I regret that this isn't the continuing story of Quantum, of my father. This is the story of an imposter. I don't know who they are, or what their intentions are, but I will find out. I'm Apoorva Singh, and this is To Catch a Speedster. When he first showed up, I thought it was you. But then I remembered, you're too much of a teacher's pet. I brought my sister Juhi Singh into the studio because she is hallucinogenic, or in layman's terms, an illusionist, and therefore an expert in imposters. Ooh, look, look at, at me, me. I'm, I'm a purva. Therefore an expert in imposters. You know how nerdy this all sounds, right? As you can hear, she can mimic just about anything, or anyone. When I first heard Quantum had returned, she was my first suspect. But as you can hear... Whenever I use my power near microphones, it's... Ugh. Do you hear that? It's really annoying. It ruins my TikToks. So it's not me, 
And it's not you, but you agree it's not Dad. I don't know. Is there anything he couldn't do? Once he told me he could run so fast he could break time. Would it really be so awful if it was him? While our household is divided on the issue, sightings of the imposter continue to mount across the country. In Somerset, Kentucky, they manufacture Cornox, a medicine that keeps young shapeshifters stable. When a gang of Tier D villains raided the plant, they received a surprise. They had us, hanging over the number two vat, about to dip us right in the acetone. They thought they were so tough, they didn't even know what hit them. Just flash, wham, bam! They were all tied up. There was even a thank you package for our security team. This is plant supervisor Marv Dunlap. It only took a second. Flash a light, zip, zip, in and out. Security images show a hooded figure blurred across a single frame. Did any of the villains have rope burn? Nope. Everyone was unharmed. <laughs> Let's go, Quantum! Meanwhile, 400 miles away in Jonesboro, Arkansas, a growing Normcore presence had been putting pressure on the local school board to expel Curtis Jennings, a young boy with telekinesis. Curtis's family was ready to move before someone intervened. It was incredible. There were about 30 people on the sidewalk outside our house with their signs, and then whoosh, a bright swirl of light. They're all back in their cars with a pamphlet on tolerance in their hands. Hmm. Can you describe the whoosh? It was like, um, whoop. <laughs> uh, the lawn was mowed, the trash taken out, and there was a little, a little quantum action figure in Curtis's room. Signed cards saying to hold fast. It's meant the world to him. Would you mind if I looked at it? Oh, I got it right here on the fridge. Whoever did this did their research. Handwriting is a perfect match. It's even written on my father's stationery. But it is signed incognito. This sounds like my father, but it doesn't feel like him. Whenever we did lawn work at home, we ran at quarter speed, or we'd dig gouges in the dirt. Nothing like that here. No skid marks on the sidewalk. Oh, um, <laughs> he was your... <sighs> Do you mind if we thank him? Of course. Thank you, Quantum. We always knew you'd come back. SPR News has authorized me to investigate this story despite my personal attachment to it because they believe I am the only person on Earth who can catch up to whoever is doing this. They aren't wrong. If the imposter is listening to this, my father always encouraged people to run their own path. If you believe in your work, I invite you to drop the disguise. Or I'll drop it for you. Until then. Hold fast. That was a Porva Sing with To Catch a Speedster. It's 74 degrees here in Paradise City, and now back to these American supers. I was 13 when I got the visit. 
When you're that age, and Weather Girl invites you to a place where anything you want is yours for the rest of your life, you say yes. You don't read the fine print. I was 18 and just coming into myself. Everyone knew I was telekinetic, but they didn't know what that meant. When you can move things with your mind, the only limits are your imagination. And I have a wild imagination. I think they knew that I didn't mean to do that to Arizona. That's why I'm here and not Saguaro. I've learned so much since then, and not just about my powers. We have salsa classes, pottery, glass blowing, anything you want. Hidden deep in the sands of the Mojave is the most secure community on Earth. It's an oasis in the desert, a spa, a school, and... The nicest prison on Earth. Ta-da! Welcome back to These American Supers. I'm Ethan Schwartz. Now, Act 2, Ticket to Paradise. Since Tina Rand brought her grandfather's dream back to life, the city has flourished. But what does it mean to live in paradise? And more importantly, what is the cost? Ellen Spiegel has the story. Since the doors of paradise have reopened, they've never actually been used. Once you accept an invitation, you just find yourself there in a swirl of blue light. Courtesy of teleportation expert Bernice Wallace, who is the first face you see. It's a great job. I get all of the perks of being a resident without the uh, usual qualifications. <laughs> if you can't be all-powerful, be irreplaceable. That's what my mom said when I started. Oh, want some Baumkuchen? It's freshly baked. You arrive on a small marble platform in the center of a koi pond the size of a lake. The large blue hall is filled with soothing music. That's really lovely. It's the San Francisco Philharmonic this week. Sure enough, behind me was an entire symphony orchestra playing on a large wooden ship lit by paper lanterns and fireflies. I waved to them because what else do you do? Can you believe this place? All I said was, could I listen to music? This way, she guides me towards an archway, intricately carved in runes and vines. It is filled by a rolling gray mist flickering like a storm cloud. If you have a power, watch out. It can be a little disorienting out there. The suppression field. This is the only place it doesn't reach. A present from the people of Atlantis. You'll be fine, long, slow breaths, and welcome to paradise. They make me say it like that. <laughs> Have fun. She pushed me through the barrier. It was paper thin, but it felt like a waterfall. I came through the other side expecting to drown in the weight of it, but instead I breathed in the fresh air of the Swiss Alps. It was 72 degrees and the sun was high in the sky. Far better than the convection oven in the desert outside. Yet, my body still felt uncomfortably tight. Can I offer you a mint, Miss Spiegel? I've been told they help. The mint did help, eventually. I can't even see the dome. This is a place of dreams, and people dream of the sky. This was Griddle, my guide and chaperone for my day in the city. They were so stunning, I wondered if they were human. I was born in Sweden, but I've been here for five years. The air here is good for the skin, and the water whitens your teeth. But they didn't just hire me for my charm and good looks. 
Can I offer you a piggyback ride? Oh, <laughs> no thank you. I should have taken them up on it. We spent the day crisscrossing long, scenic paths as we bustled from appointment to appointment, of which there were many. The strict schedule was part of the terms of my visit. We toured the art galleries, the arcade, the machine that recreates your favorite childhood pet. And eventually they took me to my first interview. We met Tyrone Weech, a weathered, gray-haired man at one of the city's many spas. Tyrone is one of Paradise City's oldest inhabitants. <laughs> I don't think there's a better place in the world. He was getting a massage from someone who could have been Griddle's twin. And a lot of kids in here don't appreciate what we have. Maybe we take them in too young now. But I've seen the world. Hell, when I came here in 1975, you know what it was like? Forget being a super. First time in my life I had so many white people call me sir. Like they really meant it. <laughs> Ain't that right, Durndall? Yes, sir. I mean, I could bend space on the outside and the people barely gave me the time of day. Most of them hated me twice as much for how powerful I was. But in here, I get the royal treatment without even having a fight for it. Do you ever want to try the outside world again? You could go. I know they let people out from time to time. Oh, no. Not for me. The world's gotten better. Oh, I'm good. Oh. You know we get the news in here too, sweetheart. News? The voice came out of every speaker in the building, including my phone. I even heard it echo out of Tyrone's hearing aid. Uh, in my mouth. Did someone say news? Despite its isolation, Paradise City is home to its own SPR station, established at the request of one of its residents, Nebraskan native Douglas Corona. Many of our listeners may recognize his voice, coming to you between ad breaks. Is that Ellen Spiegel reporting live from Paradise City? It's 72 degrees and sunny. Up next, a long-awaited meeting. In another swirl of blue light, I found myself suddenly in the Paradise City studio. Ah, that was a little more uh, direct than I was planning. Thanks, Brady! I couldn't take my eyes off the room, which... This is the nicest recording studio I've ever seen in my life. Want to see the rest? Yes. Doug took me through the pristine and futuristic broadcast station. It was twice the size of our Baltimore affiliate, and it seemed like he was the only person there. After the tour, he sat us down in the studio, and we took turns interviewing each other. I've always loved the radio. Soundscapes colored in by the power of your imagination. Doug was a... You know what? He's right. Imagine him however you want, but his power is certainly unique. I am an amplifier. Of... Anything. Electricity. Heat. Feelings. Inspiration. Hope. Radio waves. I think that's why our ratings are so high. It's true. The Paradise City Station is the most listened to SPR affiliate in the country. Sometimes its listenership surpasses the population of Earth. I even interviewed a professor who believes our programming has broken into the multiverse. Did you hear that one? It was on our local morning show, Mugs with Doug. You know, Doug, I just, I gotta ask, how did you wind up here? Most of the residents' powers can be pretty destructive, but, you know, if anything, yours are... Constructive. The government tried to plug me into the national grid. My mom, bless her, didn't want that for me, and wrote the Paradise City Project on my behalf. I guess I'm something of a scholarship case. She knew I could have a more fulfilling life here. I'm grateful I got to choose my own path. 
some of our residents, they aren't so lucky. Hey, you could probably use that as a transition in your story if you talk to someone like- I never really had a choice. Dinah is a young super in her early 20s. She sported a black Nirvana hoodie and fluffy pink slippers. I met Dinah in a three-room ranch house. Compared to the aesthetic wonders around it, it seemed out of place. Gray carpets, white walls, not a single picture. Just a computer gaming setup and a couch. It used to look different. When I first moved here, I had a palace, but it felt too big. I guess I was just used to having my whole family around, and after a while, the loneliness. You don't get to see them? Sure, the city has holographic suites where I can even sit down to dinner with them, but it's not the same. My folks offered to move in. Some families do it. But I couldn't do that to them. You don't think they'd like living in paradise? Maybe they would. For a bit. For a few years. But it's hard to stay in a room when the door's wide open. And then they'd be gone. And it'd only feel emptier. So, really? I don't think I could do it to me. And it wasn't just her. With a power like mine, I could never live a normal life. On Doug's advice, I went to see Menta, an extremely powerful telekinetic. And one of the residents of Paradise who didn't have the choice to come here. Griddle finally caught up with me as we sat in Menta's atrium, which was decorated with beautiful blue mosaic that gave the feeling of being near the ocean. Menta served lemonade. <laughs> Your mind is connected to the world around you. But for me, it's integrated. There was no sense of where my body ends. <laughs> Pick up that glass. Did you notice how the 24 muscles in your wrist and hands and fingers contracted and expanded to position your hand and grip the glass with just enough pressure to lift it, but not break it? Uh, no. <sighs> right. Silently, your mind does its work, sending impulses out to create the movement you desire. That's how it is for me, but my reach... The lemonade in my glass swirled, a stream of liquid twisted through the air and siphoned into her mouth. Is limitless. I'm surprised you still have so much control here. Doesn't the suppression field weigh you down? <laughs> Suddenly, the mosaic making up the floor and walls broke free. Each individual tile swirling around us, joining with others that flew in from other rooms. The individual pigments from some grew darker or lighter as paint moved from one tile to the next. Griddle beside me merely sighed, drumming their fingers impatiently. But soon the tiles began to set, displaying a perfect panoramic of a deep wooded glade. I'd never seen anything like it. You should have seen me on the outside. Why not leave? Where would I go? This world isn't big enough for someone like me. Our next stop was at a 20-story tower carved from ice, home to Rondo Bellwether. 
He famously worked as the hero Ice Tray before he got his invitation to paradise. A lot of people can freeze things. People love it when you can freeze things. And that's what I thought I did. That's what everyone thought. But in reality, I have something a bit more general. Now, all freezing is is changing the movement of molecules, and that's what I do. And it's not just liquid to solid. Mm -mm. Slow it down. Frozen. No. As it turns out, people don't like it so much when you go the other way. You speed it up. Solid. Liquid. Gas. Especially when you do it with something that really, really ought to be solid. Do you have regrets? About what I did? Sure. But about being here? Rondo went to the ice wall and sublimated some of it into steam so he could look at the horizon. He turned to Griddle. Sunset, please. The geodome adjusted, bringing the sun down low across the city. It was beautiful, but Rondo just looked dismal. When I first came here, I thought I hated it. All of it, this, this big, shiny cage that is so polished you can't even see the bars. The illusion of freedom. Yeah, but then I realized it's the same illusion outside. Now, I had these powers, and so I checked some hero box, and that was my job, waking up every day doing the mission. And if I didn't have these powers, I'd be in some other box with a worse view. And how far out of our boxes do any of us really go? And that actually brought me a little peace. At least here, I don't have to worry about what other people think. It's a good deal. <laughs> That's why it's such a great trap. Menta again. It's understandable to think that we give up our potential when we come here. <laughs> but that was never something we had in the first place. So we trade one illusion for another and everyone feels a little bit safer. I had hoped to understand the city after seeing it with my own eyes but I somehow feel even further away. The city of dreams shifts like a mirage. Whether you see a shelter, a cage, or something entirely unique may just be a trick of the light. That was producer Ellen Spiegel. That's our episode. We'd like to thank our friend Douglas Corona for arranging access to Paradise City as well as the Paradise City Project for their cooperation. Thank you so much for listening to our program. All I said was, could I listen to music? Sorry, Bernice. Join us next time for more of these American Supers. Live from SBR News in Washington, I'm Wenling Chen. One week after the unsuccessful military intervention by the Kamikaze crew, the United Nations has joined President Norris in declaring the island of Zen a villainous state. The people of Zen have responded by expelling foreign diplomats and press from their shores. Before doing so, Cosmos made one final statement. Tez Hiram and Malm Rohard were twins, both 24. Maru Mayumi, age 42. Tony Duncan, 50. Isrep Talak, 
8. Vi Cornax, 62. Jai Cornax, 11. Seven people and a new Fent tree sapling murdered by the American president. This was an island that no one wanted, and we filled it with people that no one wanted, and still, we cannot have even that. They didn't try to capture Galatea. They didn't try to round up the green force. They didn't attack me. We had a garden, a school, and a hospital. Now we have a graveyard. The kamikaze crew is buried there, too. What were you thinking? We tried to live peacefully among you. But you said we were too different, too alien. We are here because you were so afraid of us. You couldn't even accept our help. Did you forget that fear? Galatea, what would happen if the U.S. killed me and invaded Zen? With the combined U.S. military forces, the U.S. would succeed in 23% of projected scenarios. And if I fought? The U.S. would succeed in 2% of projected scenarios. And if you helped? The United States would fail in 100% of projected scenarios and would be unable to resist a Zen counterattack without significant support of global powers. We are peaceful. But threaten us again. And I swear, you will remember your fear. Now get out! We will have more on the story as it develops. That was Wenling Chen reporting from Washington. Today's show was written and produced by John Dorsey and Maximilian Clark. Additional producing by Carla Lerner and Hunter Shelburne, with special thanks to Brenna Colleen. This episode's full cast can be found in the description below or on our website, sprpod.com. Be a hero to the show by sharing it with a friend. You can help us make more episodes by heading to patreon.com and looking up Superhuman Public Radio. Coming up next... You know her for her investigative reports, but SPR great Ellen Spiegel has layers you've never seen. Join her in our test kitchen making her favorite childhood recipes. That and musical guest Rihanna, up next on Mugs with Doug. This is SPR. The Fable and Folly Network. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Sure I can't get you a drink? Uh... I... Um... They'd had a moment, hadn't they? That afternoon when Garrett had smiled just like this, warm-eyed and amused in a way that made Tony want another cigarette, but also want to step forward and... Hey, Kate, what are you writing? Ah! New text post on Thursday, May 21st. Title... Why you should be watching Selkirk. So, Selkirk fandom, 
who wants to read my 5,000 word essay, Garrett, last name, Secret Werewolf. I'm Kate, by the way. They kissed? I think I lucked out when I found Selkirk. Because if I'd loved something else, I would have made friends, and I would have been able to read a ton of great stories. But this way, I met you. Me and Day You, a new story about love and fandom from the Procyon Podcast Network.